I was babysitting a kid on a farm not long ago, and I noticed something interesting. People are very attached to a certain idea of the farm. There's all this farm-themed baby stuff. Not for other workplaces, just for the farm, really. Like, there's no night-night printer book or a book with pop-out pages where the baby can, like, practice closing a cash register or merging on the highway with an 18-wheeler or anything. But there are so many toys and books and blankets and whatever with farm animals, with cartoon farm animals and the sounds they make in cartoon pictures of them. Partly this is just because kids love animals and anything that gets a little kid to concentrate for three seconds or longer will be super popular. But I think it also shows that people have an emotional attachment to the farm, to this idea of a small family farm with animals that have names and bedtimes. This is the farm they prefer to think about if they think about where their food comes from much at all. The farm has chickens, pigs. (sighs) Oh, sorry, it's not bedtime yet. Maybe some goats or sheep or something. It definitely has a dog. What does the dog do there? Other animals. um, Babysitting this kid. Babysitting this kid who lived on a farm, not by himself, but with his family, pointed out that reality is very different. Livestock is messy, ugly, smelly, noisy. A lot of farming is not saying night-night to animals. It involves a lot of weird things you do to try to make sure little animals are born in the spring and survive until the point where they um, do not anymore. Of course, the whole point of keeping animals, harvesting them. That's what I came to the farm to help out with, and it was messy. This farm had a dog named Jed. Jed came from a shelter, which got him from another shelter in Tennessee, and there's a Grateful Dead song called Tennessee Jed. So, Jed Jed was a nuisance. He chased animals around. He got into stuff that was just cleaned and put away. He was big enough to get to any counter or shelf he chose, and he couldn't seem to stop running around in enclosed spaces and sitting around when he was outside. Once, I was bringing the tractor back, driving it very slowly, and Jed ran right in front of the bucket and got himself a sharp tap on the behind. Jed wasn't a biter like the dogs we discussed in episode one. That was clear. What wasn't clear is what exactly Jed contributed to the farm. Like, what purpose he served. He didn't herd anything, that's for sure. Actually, people spent more time herding Jed if anybody was on the receiving end of any herding at all. Jed's presence was sort of pet-like. Like a pet on bring your pet to work day, if that was a thing. Like, there's no use trying to figure out what Jed's responsibilities are as a farm dog, because he doesn't really have any. There's a dog in all those night-night farm books, and so there's a Jed. It seemed to me that he was there to be a farm dog, because every farm needs a farm dog. And that was that. Outside of ornamentation and companionships, few dogs ever put in a hard day's work. Dogs are gone from factories and most farms. They only have a few true jobs in modern society. Imagine an asterisk on the word jobs, as in the phrase dogs jobs, too. Because all these working dogs are facing down unemployment. If you think a lot about how people's jobs are going to be replaced by machines, wow. Until you read about the plans for dogs jobs, dogs jobs is a really good band name. In the past, some of what dogs did on farms was pest control. Rats, mice, 
things like that. Now pest control is handled by humans and handled by preventative action like garbage pickup and better infrastructure. Animal herds are usually too large to be handled by a single dog and are controlled by pens and people. If you're looking to defend your property from wild animals or rival farmers, I should note at this point, although it's probably not necessary and super obvious, I am not a farmer and know nothing about it, cameras and alarm systems are a better bet for defense. There's a difference between having a dog in your home and having a dog in your workplace. We'll get to people who have dogs in their home. Believe you me, we will. We absolutely will. But for now, let's consider the workplace. There are COVID-sniffing dogs. Did you know that? There are COVID-sniffing dogs out there. I don't even like seeing drug-sniffing dogs at airports. It makes me anxious, and I can't seem to fully relax until they're out of sight. Sure, these are specially trained dogs that would never bite or chew or mess up your stuff the exact same way every pet dog ever does all of the time. Somehow, these dogs are very different and you should absolutely trust them and the strangers handling them and you're the weird one for not trusting them. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Dogs are fine, it's all fine. But the way that the COVID sniffing dogs work, People don't actually come into contact with them directly. They don't come up to you and sniff your nose or anything. The dogs smell swabs with people sweat on them. I'm not kidding. COVID sniffing dogs are very much a real thing and they are used in Finland, particularly in airports. The claims for the accuracy of these dogs are astounding. Study published in Nature about the Finnish airport dogs claimed that the four dogs could identify COVID infections with a 100% accuracy in 10 seconds. The same study in Nature also won the year's contest for best science image because people just like dogs. Even if the Finnish dogs really can identify COVID infections with 100% accuracy in 10 seconds, which I doubt because I live on the planet Earth where 100% accuracy isn't around, does that mean widespread 100% accurate dog COVID testing will be available? You can replicate a lab protocol, you can manufacture more machines, but it's difficult to train people to then go out and train dogs. That's a process that involves a lot of wasted time. More commonly, more often, in more places, dogs working for law enforcement sniff out drugs. The United States Supreme Court has ruled on this issue twice in the fairly recent past. Both cases involved law enforcement using dogs to sniff out drugs, and both cases were based in Florida. There are no conclusive studies on whether dogs are reliable, whether dogs are good at sniffing out drugs or a body or something that was near a body and communicating with a handler. The impression I get after parsing all this research is that yes, dogs can sniff things out, but how well and reliably they can depends on a lot of factors and a lot on the people around them and the individual dog. It makes people happy to see working dogs or to think about working dogs because it kind of goes with their concepts of how they wish things were. This is my unified night-night farm theory, which needs a better title, um, but I'm working on that. This theory states that the reason people bring dogs into the workplace is that they feel that there should be a dog in the workplace because of vague reasons having to do with cuteness and tradition and the night-night farm books that always have a dog. Basically, what I'm saying is, under the unified night-night farm theory of canines and workplaces, a lot of the reason for working dogs today is that people like dogs and enjoy having them around, which is incomprehensible to me. Working life is hard enough as it is without having a co-worker who scratches, barks, bites, and can't take a bathroom break solo. 
Do you want to get into a controversy? Are you the type to seek out argument? Here's a suggestion for you. Find a friend and get into it about how firefighters became associated with spotted black and white Dalmatian dogs. That's right, firefighters and Dalmatians. In Why Do Clocks Run Clockwise, David Feldman writes, Although today Dalmatians serve primarily as firehouse mascots, back in the days of horse-drawn carts, they provided a valuable service. Dalmatians and horses get along swimmingly, so that the dogs were easily trained to run in front of the carts and help clear a path for the firefighters to get to a fire quickly. It seems that in the days of horse-drawn carriages, dogs helped the passage of firefighters through crowded city streets. How is unclear. They either warned citizens that a fire engine was coming, which doesn't make sense because sound and also the sight of a bright red engine would also be a more helpful in the situation than the sight of a random dog, which like, hence the siren, or they helped guide horses in the days of horse-drawn wagons, which is really, if you think about it, the job of people, like why we have reins and stuff for, for horses. My favorite explanation has the least amount of support, that the role of the firefighters' dogs was to get into fights with other dogs. Basically, they were there to protect firefighters and their horses from other dogs. Not only does this provide a great visual, it also, to me at least, really gets into this thing of people having dogs at work because other people have dogs at work, which is super, very, um, human. This is the kind of circular logic behind a lot of dogs' jobs. Why are there working dogs? Because there are other working dogs. The title of this episode, you will notice, is not working dogs. It's dogs at work. There's a difference. Firefighters' dogs have pretty much disappeared. They're in photo ops, sure, but they don't do whatever it is that they did for firefighters anymore. People now have to control fire through their tools, through vehicles, chemicals, and water, and it doesn't really seem like the work has suffered. Totally apart from the effectiveness of dogs, there are significant downsides to including dogs in working spaces. Cleanliness comes to mind first. Also safety. Dogs are unpredictable in a way that tools aren't, but so are people. I'm hoping that I'm not the only person who has complicated feelings about working dogs. I decided to not even apply at a place that allowed office workers to bring their dogs in for the day. In college, a professor showed up with his dog for a random class in the middle of the semester without warning, and it was hard to sit down and focus. And to me, this is probably the biggest reservation about dogs in the workplace and the community, that they exclude people. I Hate Your Dog is an independent podcast written, recorded, and produced by me, Jules Reich. You can reach the show at IHateYourDog at ProtonMail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at JulesGate. Thank you so much for listening.